Boom, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Your Podcast with myself, Nolsey, and my co-host, Jaxie. Jaxie is back in the building. Good to be back. I know you You all missed me last week. I had a bit of a... A lot of messages in like, where is Jaxie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why isn't he here? But uh, I was away in Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur for the week. Yeah, I suppose you could have a, a podcast on it. So one about my trip in Bangkok, but uh, I think we'll, we'll leave what happens in <laughs> Bangkok and stay in Bangkok. We're going to get back into it. Thankfully, this week actually kind of was a bit of a promotion for the draft because there was a lot of high scores in the draft compared to normal fantasy. When we see the draft, we look at all them players, the likes of Doku, Kudos, that no one had in their team. I think I got like 63 points in some in one of my leagues. So yeah, it's just kind of a little advertisement for the draft that even when there's bad weeks in normal fantasy, them players, can, you can have them in your team. So yeah. yeah, there was a fella in my league, he was coming dead last and he beat the person coming first. He got 60, 68 points, had loads of Chelsea players. So yeah, it just that's what the draft is all about. You never know what's going to happen week in, week out. We are going to continue as always. We are going to answer an awful lot of listener question, questions this week. Within them questions, we're going to talk an awful lot about the particular players and then other options that might come into the equation when we're talking about them players, talk about the teams, talk about the fixtures. So it'll all kind of... Um, come into one through them questions we're gonna also then at the end talk about our waiver suggestions as always smaller leagues mid-sized leagues some punts everything you need to win your draft league this week so our last well not our last little plug but one of the plugs for the t12 sign up it is in the description there is a forms link there at the end of that forms there is going to be a sign up sheet i suppose for the t12 We've discussed it before, but if you don't know what the T12 is, it is a collaborative, progressive draft league that we have been running and started this year. The second half of the league is starting after game week 19, so it's not too late to sign up. It's actually a perfect time. Get your name in. Um, If you want more information, there's a a kind of more detailed description on our Instagram, so go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all all that good stuff as always. Also to note, Game Week 12, after Game Week 12, we have an international break. So if you're looking at maybe possible trades of injured players, they might be a good time because you have essentially three weeks to get them back to full fitness. So yeah, we'll talk about that in the podcast. A couple of other things to note, suspensions. McAllister and Bruno Gamera's are uh, suspended for Game Week 12. Five yellow cards picked up. Adoji Romero, also red cards. They won't be around for Game Week 12. Four yellow cards, some players to monitor. There is a lot more, but some of the main players for FPL. Douglas Luiz still on four yellow cards. Lucas Digne, four yellow cards. Bruno Fernandez and Jordan Ayew. Couple of... Oh, sorry, there's more. There's loads more. Havertz, Brathway, Basuma, Dawson, Longstaff, Polinia. But I suppose the top four boys are kind of more probable to be in your team. So maybe watch out, especially for some of them players that you want to bring in and for long term you might lose out on a fixture there quickly through the injuries Halland, we know what the story is he got injured the weekend seen in training more than likely back for game week 12 matters slight ankle injury and said that they were already down to 10 men so probably didn't want to take any chances burn looks like a long-term injury botman we know the long-term injury cash as i said i think it looked like a short-term injury i've seen a couple of posts on insta or sorry twitter about it uh, but again, we'll know more information during the week. Point, sorry, point to note um, that like loads will change from now until Friday. So, yeah. But also, like since we even started writing the kind of information for this to now, we've got a load of updates. So always follow us on Twitter for updates and uh, kind of referencing back to some of the things we've said on the podcast. Uh, Odegaard, groin injury. I think he'll be rested game week 12 personally before the international break, especially against Burnley and give him a chance to get back. Flecking got a dead leg, so might be back for game week 12, depending on how bad it is. I wouldn't get too crazy and get rid of him straight away. Olise could be back in the squad for game week 12, but probably again, with this international break coming up, it's a good time for injuries because they can just give them an extra couple of weeks. Yeah. Rashford dead leg, missed uh, or failed a late fitness test, so probably back for game week 12, but again, keep updated on, on a lot of these. Lindelof was 
out with an illness. I don't like that United players diminish a lot of rotation. Isaac, um, Eddie Howe said he'll probably be back after the international break. And then just before we start recording, there's news out that Richardson has to go or undergo surgery. So again, that could be another couple of weeks. Yeah, you know. it just means as well that Brennan Johnson is more nailed again for Spurs. 100%. And that actually brings us straight into our first question. First question is, I have Burn, Van de Veen and Matters. How fucked am I? <laughs> and I think the answer here is, you're not as fucked as you think, but you're kind of fucked. Yeah, you you can't just sit sit with it and keep Burn, Van de Veen and Matters. You will have to do a bit of changing around with your team. Looking at Van de Veen first, he pulled his hamstring, so it looks like six to eight weeks. Minimum, yeah. Six to eight weeks, minimum. So personally... So I would be looking to drop Van de Ven and looking for a player that has better fixtures in the short term than, than Van de Ven because Spurs don't have that appealing fixtures over the, over in the short term. So it's kind of a good thing that he's gone because there's nothing worse than having a stacked defence when their fixtures don't actually line up because then mm. you can be quite fixated on having that player there. But now that he's injured, it gives you the chance to look at defenders that have better fixtures. We looked at the game week uh, fixtures from 18 onwards and yeah, we'll, or Spurs do have uh, decent enough fixtures likes of Everton, Bournemouth, Brentford, Everton, Brighton, Wood. A couple of nice fixtures in there but you have to look at will you gain more points from another player? So if you get rid of Van de Ven you have the option of having another player for the six to eight weeks that he's out plus further on. Yeah. So we have a point here that like just because you get a player injured doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You can pick up a better, well, not not better. You can pick a good player up on the waiver and his value can increase. So just because he's on the waiver now doesn't mean he's always going to be a waiver player. You can pick up some nice gems on the waiver. Like Soufal um, probably picked up on the waiver there after a couple of game weeks, got them two or three assists in a row. So you can pick up a nice player that can actually improve your team and nearly outscore the player that even if they were playing let's say Van de Ven does play them hard fixtures you could pick up a, you know a Palace defender that outscores him over them never mind if he was on the bench and you had a playing player instead of him so Van de Ven is probably a drop yeah burn then he's looks like he's going to be out for long term so I would be dropping him there isn't you don't know how long he's going to be out for it does seem it won't be till the, the second half of the season yeah but burn is 100% a drop I think especially when you have both of them and Van de Ven, it's up to you. Again, our recommendation is look to the waivers. So listen to the end of the podcast for the waiver suggestions and uh, you might be able to pick up a couple of gems. On the last part of that question, Matters, as we said, hopefully will be back for game week 12. If not, even international break. You can't drop Matters anyways. Um, I would also be hesitant about trading them now that I think of it. If people are trying to kind of get them over the wool, get sorry, pull the wool over your eyes because you see he's injured. So I, I definitely keep Matters. So the next question is regarding something similar. Um, the person has said that they have Haaland, Matters and Van de Ven. Tried to trade for James Ward-Prowse and Grealish, but no bite. As we said, Haaland should be back. Matters, I wouldn't go trading. Van de Ven, drop. So the next part of that question was James Ward-Prowse and Grealish. Now, James Ward-Prowse, yes, he's playing deeper. We talked about it in last week's podcast. If you can't get any trades over the line, don't force it. He is playing Forest this week, so you can ride it out. He still might return just because, yes, he's playing deeper and maybe um, not on all set pieces doesn't mean that you have to get rid. He can st- he is still likely to, ret- to return and is kind of fixture proof, even though West Ham has some great fixtures. So I wouldn't just go trying your hardest to get rid of James Ward-Prowse because you're not happy with him. In terms of Grealish, he's a very frustrating player. player. And he's at an all-time low, especially because of Doku. And Doku balled out this week, as we know. But that doesn't mean that Grealish is totally out of the team. We know the story with Pep Roulette. So I would probably wait until he starts. and Try and get him over the line in a trade. Possibly a double trade. An example of this, an example of a good double trade that you kind of get rid of someone that you don't want, would be like 
a Grealish plus a McGinn. And I'm saying this because this particular player had McGinn in their team as well. So you have Grealish, who you don't want, who's a bit of a, a rotation risk, not a bit of full rotation risk. Yep. And McGinn, who's a decent player that a lot of other players will want that you could keep in your team, but again, could use him as trade fodder. So you're getting rid of Grealish, who you don't want, McGinn, who's a decent option, for maybe someone who's even better than McGinn, or maybe you want instead of McGinn. We just have a couple of random suggestions down here uh, as examples. Gordon, Savajlai, Gross, plus a waiver option. So what you can do then is you can have one of them three players in your team and keep them and be happy to have them. And you have a waiver option. So now you have a free spot in your midfield that you can go and get a good option from the waivers, like we said with the defenders, that you can attack the fixtures. And let's say you do get that over the line this week. We have some waiver suggestions for midfielders short term and maybe even if you just want to use that waiver spot to attack the fixtures every week. Next question then is, is Johnson a good option for Spurs? Now, straight off the back of last week, he did get the start again over Richarlison. And now the news that Richarlison is out sick with a... And I, um, a uh, what was it? A pelvic a, bone surgery. A, pel- a pubic bone. Pubic, sorry. Pubic bone. <laughs> pubic bone injury. So that rules Richarlison out. So now Johnson is more nailed. R- Johnson was whipped against... Chelsea. Chelsea, but that was only because of the red card. So they brought on Eric Dyer for Johnson, so I wouldn't be worried about that at all. Other things to note as well, Ange, after the game, he was kind of criticised of Spurs being so attacking, even when they were down to nine men. And he said if they had down to five players, they would still be pressing like that. So for Johnson owners and for people looking to get Johnson in, I would be confident of him getting attacking returns just because of the way Spurs play and because he's nailed. At the same time, because Spurs will be such high pressing, that may lead them to be susceptible to concede at the back. With Van de Ven now out injured and with Romero, who is suspended, Spurs' defence... And Adoji gone for a couple of games. And Adoji as well. So Spurs' defence isn't as, I suppose, yeah, fruitful as it was in previous games. So... Just looking at the Wolves team, Eight Nuri, he's still a great option, yeah, because of the injuries and rotation. A few other points on Eight Nuri. Did miss a big chance and he had a 0.55 expected goals and had 0.26 expected assists. So if you are looking to attack Spurs's, uh, I suppose, limited defence in the upcoming game week, Eight Nuri could be a possible option there. So yeah, I suppose rounding off the Johnson, great pick. And then for Wolves this week, uh, Ed Nuri is uh, is a good option. Moving on to the next question. Is Edward worth picking up? Need another striker? On this question, when you say you need another striker, I presume you don't have a playing striker. Edward would definitely be worth picking up if you don't have a playing striker. He's still a pick, a worth a pick up depending on who you're trading him for, even if they are a playing striker. Now, before we get into this, at the end of the podcast, we're also going to rank a good few strikers because... You probably, you know, you probably realize that there's very little strikers to pick up every week. Rather than just ignoring the strikers, we are going to give like five, six, seven strikers a shout out and rank them based on like who do we target and who we try to avoid. But back to the question, is there, is a is back in the team? Edward is definitely a good pick because of this. Olise is possibly back game week 13, as we said. Again, another um, asset that's going to help Palace in terms of attacking. Ayu is on four yellow cards, as we said, so I'd expect Olise to take a spot anyways, but this could be a you know, catalyst to you know make sure that Olise is 100% in there, maybe even a bit quicker than we expect if he's needed because of an Ayu yellow card, and maybe Olise is touch and go for game week 13, Ayu suspended, something like that, Olise gets straight back in and starts instead of maybe comes on like we saw with Eze. Yeah. Mateta as a, you know as a backup striker for Palace, 11 minutes in two game weeks ago Sorry, yeah. and zero game zero minutes last last week so. so like he's he's not going to put Edward at risk of getting rotated and Palace have good fixtures over the next five they have Everton is it Everton at Everton home? at home they have Luton away West Ham away away sorry this is very small and Bournemouth at home Bournemouth at home so over the next four they have four fixtures that are you know are very good attacking fixtures problem with um, Palace is that when we look at their stats against Burnley, who they kept a clean sheet against, they only had four shots. Four shots for Palace. 
versus Burnley's 17 shots. And, you know, we always think of Burnley as this team that we always just target because they're no good. Burnley are a different side this season. We've, we, we've said that we've said that throughout the whole year. Yeah. Um, I think this is only the third game that they have failed to score in. So they are a decent attacking side. And kind of moving on from that question, we'll, we'll kind of finish off regarding uh, strikers at the end. But moving on from that question, Burnley are a decent attacking side. And we're going to talk very briefly about some Burnley players that might be good options after this game week. Game week 13 onwards. They play Arsenal game week 12, so probably an avoid. But Foster is a big loss. And they are still putting up them numbers without Foster and the quote was that he probably still sorry won't be available until after the international break but that makes very little difference because game week 12 they play Arsenal anyways so we talked about some possible options last week for Burnley when that good fixture run hits and we looked at Kuliosho and Brownhill Kuliosho racked up 0.32 XGI last week but Brownhill played a bit deeper so that gives more information regarding maybe some of the assets that we want to target when we hit them fixtures. Goodmanson racked up some decent numbers this week. Played very central. Um, you know, usually he kind of starts as a winger, but came in and had five key passes. Two shots off target, one blocked, and had an XGI of 0.67. So he might now be looking like the best of them Burnley options that might be available. As you said, Foster is probably not available as he's a striker, but if we're looking for that other one Burnley player that we could target from game week 13 on maybe Goodmanson is that option but again we'll monitor versus Arsenal mightn't give us much information but come game week 13 hopefully we'll have one or two very good recommendations for that nice run of fixtures moving on the next question is should I trade Eze and Van Dijk for Kudus and Gabriel when I was looking at this first I was looking at just the Van Dijk versus Gabriel scenario Van Dijk, he's some good fixtures coming up for clean sheets in game weeks 14, 15, 16, and in game week 17, they have United. In terms of attacking returns, this season, Van Dijk has had seven shots in the box versus Gabriel's three. Van Dijk has had a 0.6 expected goals versus Gabriel's 0.2. Van Dijk has had two assists versus Gabriel's of zero. So just based on these couple of statistics and based on the good fixture run of Liverpool from 14 on I think Van Dijk does tip the scale in that situation Eze then compared to Kudus so Eze yeah back from injury and he had got an assist already Elise is coming back into the squad as well so they're both very attacking players that will complement each other a lot more Palace yeah they haven't been great for returning but these players coming back in it will help Palace and look there. They, they, they don't have the talent really without those two no, guys. No, they're, they they're, they're what made them tick last season as well. Yeah, and Palace has some very good fixtures as well from game week 12, 13, 14 and 15. But yeah, as Nolsey mentioned already in the Edwards scenario, Palace only had four shots against Burnley. But I do, I do think that will change when Eze is playing... 90 minutes and when Elise comes back into the team yeah I'd love to know sorry I, I, maybe it was said in the question of who you're giving away and who you want so if we're looking at Kudos the last person in that um, question maybe you're trying to get in Kudos because he banked Kudos is a fantastic option 100% balled out has some great fixtures West Ham are top of the fixture ticker um, I think and seem to have nailed down a spot and I, I find it hard to believe that he hasn't after them performances even game week 10 he played very well and the suspensions coming back, Alvarez and Paqueta coming back. I don't think that makes too much of a difference. Something that I just remembered just before we started recording is that there is AFCON in January. Kudos could be involved in that. So even if you wanted to take that into consideration in the long term as well, that kind of something is something that tips it in the scale of Eze and Virgil. I know you might want to get Kudos in because he looks like a fantastic option, and he is, but does he outweigh the possibility of Eze and Verge as well as Gabriel we've seen him get a couple of pensions in yeah. the last couple of weeks so you have to kind of not guarantee but you have to be confident that the day Gabriel is benched that Kudos will outscore Eze and Verge or at least the combination of Kudos and Gabriel over a long term will outscore Eze and Verge and I just for me I kind of rather we know 100% Eze is 
and, and Verge are nailed. Kudos should be, but still not 100% guaranteed. And Gabriel, we have seen it already in 11 game weeks that, you know, random times that he'll prefer someone else. So, yeah. again, I think the overall recommendation is to kind of stay with the kind of more nailed person. Yeah, Eze and Virgil would be your recommendation for that one. Yeah, but the main main reason behind it is they're both more nailed uh, than Kudos and Gabriel. Cool, next question is Livermento or Hall? So we debated over this for a long time. <laughs> we shouldn't have spent so long on no, it. Definitely not. It should have been more clear. But the reason that it wasn't clear is because of the last day. And I suppose we look at the facts here. Livermento has only played right back for Newcastle. Played 45 minutes versus Arsenal after Byrne got sent off. And what happened was Trippier went left back. Hall is a left back. Hasn't I think he's only played nine minutes in the Premier League this year. In their 8-0 winning in Sheffield. Is that what it was? Yeah. So... Hall has played in the cup he played against United played very well and banged a goal um, but didn't play against Arsenal and I suppose what we came up with was yeah when the left back position was available you you think okay naturally Hall, yeah. naturally, Hall is the second choice left back he would come on but he didn't they brought Levermento on right back and moved Trippier to left back and our thought process behind this getting into Eddie Howe's brain was because Saka was playing right midfield, they wanted to have, I suppose, Newcastle's best defender on Saka as in a tactical, um, it's a tactical choice. That's why they brought on Livermento instead of Hall for the next day. With Dan Byrne injured, that left back position is available. So we would suspect that Hall will get the nod just because he is uh, left back. I. Yeah, it was a tactical decision, what we think. I, I would find it hard to believe that they would sacrifice Trippier, who is one of the best right-backs in the Premier League, if not the best, for um, to accommodate, sorry, um, Livermento at right-back. You'd like to think that they, you know, they, they recently purchased her at Hall, that he'd play left-back and that Trippier would play right-back. Now, that's not 100% guaranteed because we haven't, we've only seen it in the Cup. And he even got whipped in that game. So we have not seen him play left back apart from that nine-minute cameo in the Premier League. So that's why we're a bit hesitant. But again, all you know, all roads lead to Hall playing left back this week. So again, keep a look out in the waivers for where we might rank him. Next question is Vlachodromus versus Martinez. And I'm convinced this person just asked this question so, <laughs> uh, so I could try and, try and uh, pronounce it. Um, so Vlachodromus got the start this week over Turner. And we discussed this a good bit in last week's podcast. And it happened. Also got a clean sheet, which was, uh, you know, not good for Turner. Because, uh, yeah. Probably has nailed him down for the future. Against a good Villa side as well. That's true, yeah. And they have some nice fixtures coming up. So if you look at the fixtures and the XGC from one to the other, Forest play West Ham away, Brighton at home, Everton at home, Fulham away, Wolves away. So that's over the next five. Um, and then two game weeks' time after that, they have Bournemouth at home. They have some nice fixtures. So I'm looking at that, and I know they have some nice fixtures, but I'm still only seeing like two games that I'd be like yeah okay they can definitely keep a clean sheet there West Ham are good to score Brighton are Everton have a good expected goals Fulham maybe Bournemouth I think that's in seven game weeks time maybe even Wolves so you're looking at two possible three clean sheets there um, I still think that he will be there long term until something major happens like he makes a couple of mistakes like Turner um, so I wouldn't be too worried about Turner getting back in but if we look at the, the stats Forrest are 14th for XGC. The expected goals conceded per 90 is 1.56. If you go down to Villa, if you look at Villa stats, they have Fulham at home, Spurs away, Bournemouth away, City at home, Arsenal um, at home, Brentford away, and Sheffield at home. So straight away there, I see some hard fixtures, but I definitely see three very probable clean sheets. Fulham, Bournemouth, and Sheffield. They are third overall for XGC, 1.15. They're only behind... City and Arsenal and it's hard to believe because in my head Villa were kind of leaky I yeah. know they were good at attacking but they were letting in a good few goals but they were ranked third after the first 11 games for XGC Martinez we know over the past few years has been a very good keeper in FPL as I said three possible clean sheets for that defence 100% nailed and an overall better side so I think it's fairly obvious there. I wouldn't be giving away Martinez, especially not wavering Martinez because he's going to be picked up straight away. I think you stick with yeah. tried and tested the proven goalkeeper. If 
Flacodimus is still on your waivers, like I wouldn't be just wavering out Martinez. You you may have a weaker second choice keeper, and yeah, if this person is asking this question with regards to trade, we'd be looking at Martinez. But if from a, a waiver perspective, if you did have Vlacodibus as your second choice keeper, you could play the fixtures. You could play the fixtures when Martinez is playing against Spurs and Vlacodimus is playing against Brighton, for example. You could play the fixture in this situation. Um, if they are, if you can get Flacodimus yeah, on the, on the get waivers, both of them in, yeah. but if it's a trade, yeah, Martinez. But if not, it'd be, it'd be a good option to try play the fixtures over the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, I think over the long term, I think Villa they mightn't keep that XGC so low, but I think over the whole course of the season, he's definitely going to get more points. I'd be surprised if he didn't, but we've seen crazier things. Next question is kind of linked in because we're talking about Villa's defense: Digne or Ward? So, in terms of Digne, he played very well against Forrest. He was one of the most attacking players and a lot of the threat came from his side. He gets extremely high up the pitch and he racked up some good XGA. If this person has been listening to the podcast, you know you shouldn't have asked this question because I'm not allowed to recommend Digne. I said two weeks ago that if I recommend Digne, I will stop doing the podcast. So, that's one reason why I go for Ward. The other reasons why I go for Ward is because Digne is on four yellows. Now, I know it's only one fixture he misses, and if he's the better overall pick, you know, it's not too bad. But I guarantee you, when you want him to do something for you, he will let you down. It's happened to me year after year after year. I swore last year I will never pick him again because he could get a goal and assist in a clean sheet, and the next day you bring him in, he'll get sent off or something, own goal. Yeah. The other, the third reason is because Moreno is back. He's back to fitness. Now, I'm not saying he's going to start, but by all accounts, Moreno has a great chance of getting in there. For me, personally, even though I hate the man, <laughs> he's been playing very well, Digne has. So I, I find it hard to believe that Moreno just comes in and takes his spot. I don't think it's going to be that soon. I think he definitely will be given his chance. But there is some question marks over Digne and will he keep his spot long term? I know it's a bit off topic, but... A quote from Nanny McPhee <laughs> so sums up Luca Dean and it's when you want me, you will not need me. When you need me, you will not want me. <laughs> and that's that's Luca Dean. So you, you might you might think you want to have Luca Dean, but I don't think you will need him. <laughs> <laughs> like what put a better be um, Ward was whipped over the last two game weeks at seventy minutes. I don't know I don't think that's like the sign that Nathaniel Klein is going to get in there starting right back Ward has played every game this season started every game apart from the one he was injured he is nailed he's captain um, and it could be a good thing you know he locks in that clean sheet maybe they concede after we saw that with Cash there the last day so um, I wouldn't have too much worries about Ward but I would have big worries about Digne just because of the character he is yeah. he, knows, he, just, he just knows when you have him in, in FPL <laughs> Next question, uh, Simicast, stick or twist? So Liverpool have the seventh highest XGC, so that means they're relatively good. They have 1.35. Now, there is actually a bit of drop-off. There's kind of like nearly gaps in the table of XGC. You have City, you have Arsenal, Villa are kind of in between, and then you have like Liverpool, Everton, all around 1.3, 1.5, and then you go down to the bottom where you have like the Lutons and the Sheffields, yeah. um, you know, nearly over two per game. So their defence isn't great, but it's not as bad as I actually perceived. You know, in my head, again, Liverpool had a terrible defence this season. Uh, it's not as bad as I thought. Simicast is at risk of rotation. We saw that in game week 11. The problem with Simicast as uh, an option is that he's likely to come on and block a sub. You know, he's not one of those, like, centre-backs that, you know, like, let's say Matip, he had the players where he doesn't. As I said, just before starting this podcast, I read a bit more on Twitter, and I, I seen Ben Krillin, the kind of fixture predictor expert, was having a discussion with Andy Martin about the possibility of, of uh, Gomez versus Simicast. And they were talking about how the reason why Gomez might have been started is because Luton are very good from set pieces and maybe they want that more aerial threat in defence. Whereas when we're talking to next week, Brentford, they have um, a good counter-attack with Mbwemo and Wissa and they, they like to kind of, uh, that's their main advantage really. And so Simicast might actually help Liverpool shape and he, he might be a bit better at defending that. So I wouldn't be too worried about uh, Simicast now. I'd still be monitoring it 
The best thing about Simicast is maybe you can play him this week and hope for that 40% of the clean sheet to come to fruition. Then you're going to bench him against City, which is game week 13. After that, they have two great fixtures that I'd be happy to start him and take the chance that, you know, he, um, he will start both. We have Fulham at home and then we have Sheffield away. So two great fixtures. Hopefully he will have nailed down his spot at that stage and you, you'll be happy to have picked him up a couple of weeks ago. So for me, it's it's a stick. Just on that point, um, I have Trent here. Trent absolutely balled out against Luton. Now I know it's Luton, but he has been in that advanced role all season. And he racked up 0.69 XGA. And I would be looking at Trent as a bit of a trade. Um, I think his value is a bit lower than previous years, especially when they conceded against Luton as well. So maybe someone looking at is looking at that and they have Trent and they're thinking, he can't even keep a clean sheet against Luton. Maybe he's not the same asset that he was. And I don't think he is because their defense, defense isn't as good. But I still think he has serious, serious um, attacking threat. Especially when he plays as high as he did the last day. And as we know, draft doesn't matter about budget. So it doesn't matter that in normal FPL, Trent is 7.8 million. It's just can't really have him in your team because you're, you're blocking so many other players. In the draft, if someone has him undervalued, I would definitely be trying to maybe getting a trade off the line. Next question. What to do with Morgan Gibbs-White? Michael Van Gerwen. Michael Van Gerwen. So, his fixtures, yeah, they look good over the next uh, five game weeks with West Ham, Brighton, Everton, Fulham, Wolves and Spurs. So off the back of that, you'd be thinking, yeah, should get some attacking returns. But then, I looked at Gibbs-White's returns since game week four and it has gone in a pattern of 3.21133123. So, not looking good at all from that perspective it's not looking good bro. <laughs> and then I looked at his stats as well so Gibbs White hasn't scored yet this season and he only has two assists which he got in one game as well as that out of his total 16 shots so far this season he's only had three of them on target but personally I will be looking to get rid of him and we will give examples of who you could pick up on the waivers instead of Gibbs White so not going to leave you in the dark, we're just saying, yeah, just drop him. We will give uh, a list of possible midfielders to pick up instead of instead of Gibbs-White. Yeah, there was a discussion on Gibbs-White last week as well, and I watched him this week and his positioning, and we'll talk about Forrest a bit, but they played 4-3-3, and Gibbs-White played a bit deeper on the right-hand side. He actually had a great ball over the top. I forget who it was two, but they squared it to a one, he could have scored. He played a bit deeper in, in that position, and... And he's probably played his best and most attacking football and um, more central in midfield. So if he does keep playing on that right-hand side, maybe he's not as good of an option as we kind of first thought. Last question, and I was hoping, and I said to the person that sent it in to me, that United would not be referenced in this podcast because I just hate picking their players and I hate watching them play as a United fan. But we'll do it. The question was, rank United midfielders in order. And I've ranked three of them in order. Um, number one, fairly simple, Bruno Pens. We talked about him in detail last week. You might have seen on Twitter that I got a trade over the line for him. I'm absolutely delighted it paid off. Rashford is still number two. I know he didn't play game week 11, but I still think his probability of scoring, his attack and threat, I think he's going to be nailed. I know he had that kind of, there was a question whether it was injury, whether it was a discipline issue. I still think over the course of the season, Rashford has to be number two. Number three is Garnacho. Now, there's a lot of other midfielders you could talk about for United, but I just think Anthony, there's talks of him going on loan. Um, I just I would not have Anthony in my team. Yeah. Um, Mount only came on at the last couple of minutes. So, Garnacho was one of the best players versus Fulham. Uh, he has to get more game time based on his performance last week if United want to improve. He will always be a rotation risk because of the amount of midfielders that I just talked about and the lack of a set team that Ten Hag has. But I think if I had to pick another midfielder as an attacking midfielder that might get in over the long term, it would be Garnacho. I would be avoiding all the other ones because there's so much rotation and they're just not playing that very well. There is one other player for United that I pick in midfield, but we'll talk about him in the waivers. On to the waivers. We will start with the goalkeepers. And there is one goalkeeper this week. It is Flacodemus. And 
looking at all the available waivers or available keepers in the waivers he's the only one that could be available that has got in the team again he's going to be hot on people's list because they've seen this rotation so if you don't have a playing keeper definitely get him in again i would be hesitant to give away a playing keeper for him depending on who it is but lovely to have an extra goalkeeper option last week we did say verbruggen who got a five pointer but again, he's a rotation risk. So it looks like he's going to be nailed Vlachodimus for the foreseeable future until something changes. Next then, the defenders section in 8-10 to 10 man league. So a kind of a longer term hold for these defenders. First one be Reese James, back in the Chelsea side, playing well, playing very attacking. He actually had a great game uh, against Spurs the last day. So James will be our number one. Number two is Lewis Dunk. So Lewis Dunk had another fantastic game in Scored a scored a great goal as well. Unfortunately, disallowed. Yeah, but me. similar, he had a similar goal to Eric Dyer as well. That's right. Uh, two uh, two centre hats uh, pulled it out of the bag. But Lewis Dunk, he's on uh, free kicks and uh, set pieces, so they are playing Sheffield this week. Can hit a cracking free kick, so he is our number two. Number three then is Soufal of West Ham. So West Ham has some very good fixtures coming up uh, in the short term. So yeah, Soufal is our, our number three. He's probably the most attacking from that West Ham side as well. We know West Ham, I think they're fourth from bottom now. Could be third from bottom for expected goals conceded. So uh, yeah, we will talk more about West Ham possible players. But if you're not confident on them improving the defence, Soufal is probably the best attacking threat that is nailed. If you want to punt... Um, it might be taking a lot of teams but Estupanan I know he's gone back the way but if you want to improve your team and you have space on the bench Estupanan might be a little punt for a, a larger size league or sorry a smaller size league um, if you have room to put on your bench for the next two or three game weeks I think when especially, he's back fit you'll be delighted to have him yeah especially with the international break coming up as well that just gives Estupanan that bit more time to, to get fit and uh, one week punts so these one week punts you can still be in a small, big, medium-sized league and want to get some of these players in. I suppose the way we divide it up is smaller leagues that will probably be better players that you keep longer term, one-week punts that anyone can get in, and then players that are going to be available in larger-sized leagues that are going to be longer-term holes. So the one-week punts, number one is Maguire. Recommended last week. Maybe it wasn't picked up because not confident of, of him starting but I think he is the most nailed player for United in terms of defence again ridiculous to say but um, they are playing Luton this week he also has good attacking threat he unfortunately was in the way for that goal but um, decent attacking threat from a set piece so he is number one number two is Tomiyasu now this depends on midweek games so we'll know during the week whether Zinchenko or Tomiyasu starts if Zinchenko starts Kind of looks like uh, it's going to be another start for Tomiyasu in the league. They are playing Burnley. Obviously a great chance. I think they have a 60% chance at a clean sheet, the highest this week. But will be a rotation risk in the future. So more of a one-week punt. Third on that list, as we talked about before, is Lewis Hall. For all the reasons we said. More than likely going to play left-back. They are playing Bournemouth at home. Even if it's only a one-week punt, could be a nice player to get in. But there is that risk that... For some reason, Trippier either plays left back, Livermento more than likely play right back if he plays at all. But um, yeah, based yeah. on our research, and with um, with Dan Byrne being out for so long, if you do get him in, you may true, yeah. have a, have a nailed left back for for a fantastic new. And he's side. a baller as well. Like yeah. he is, he played class for Chelsea. Like a, very good. You know, I, I don't know why they would be so hesitant or have been so hesitant to play him left back. I know they've Dan Byrne, Matt Target, but. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that he could be a great option for Newcastle in, in the future. He's de- very decent going forward as well. He does have an attacking threat. So, yeah, yeah I would be, I'd be happy to have uh, Lewis Hall just to take a risk this yeah, week definitely. Uh, for the good fixture. Exactly. And I think that's with a punt like this, it's a it's a risk because he, you know, there's a possibility he mightn't start. If that risk pays off and he's now starting left back, it's turned into a great punt. Yeah. And that could be like an example punt for that Van de Ven. And I suppose now on that, on that point that I'm talking about it, like, you don't just have to put one of these players down. This can literally be a full list. You can put five of these players down if they're available and put them whatever way you feel. You know, yep. if you want to take that punt on Hall above maybe a Maguire because you don't like United, perfect. But I think for probability of starting, I suppose it's a combination. Starting and the fixtures, you know, yep. as well as what they're playing, what they're playing like. Maguire playing well, oh, crazy, mm-hmm. playing Luton and nailed. Tommy Asu, very good um, Arsenal side, but rotation risk. Hall, 
hasn't played good fixture rotation risk. That's why we're kind of putting them one, two, three. Fourth in that list, again, depends on news from the week. If Cash is out, Diego Carlos could come in at centre-back and Conza could play right-back for Villa. And Villa are playing Fulham this week. So again, another good fixture that you can attack. In our larger size leagues, we have three players as well. Last week, we recommended them. Recommend them again this week. Ward, as we said, 70 minutes. Playing Everton, who have a good XGI, so um, may be available in larger size leagues, but they have some good fixtures coming up in the future, so it could be a nice little hold in your team. Second is Aguard for West Ham. I know they have poor XGC, so it might be available. They play Forest. And then third is any player from West Ham, Palace or Everton. The reason I say that is because they all have 30-35% clean sheet. Therefore, it is punty because, you know, it's a one in three chance. Yeah. But if you have maybe a player that's injured, tough fixture, someone you don't want, these are good chances. Yeah, like Palace, Anderson and Gahey may be taken and Mitchell could be available on the waiver. So it does depend on who is available in each individual 100%. league. 100%. And I, I suppose on that point, I don't know if I mentioned last week, like, yeah, we're recommending Ward, but obviously if Gahey and um, Anderson are there, take them. But yeah. again, this is all dependent on league size. Yes, yeah, so yeah, any player from that, yeah, Palace, West Ham or Everton, that's available. <laughs> On to the midfielders. In our smaller leagues, three good options that uh, might improve your team. Let's say these three options c- could be great, great swaps for Morgan Gibbs-White. Is it? If he's not picked up, I would recommend picking him up. He will be a long-term hold on set pieces on penalties for Palace and hopefully will give that Palace team a little bit of a boost that they need in terms of attack and threat. Second on that list is Paqueta. Sp- suspended last week, I expect to come straight back in that team. Mm-hmm. West Ham are poor at the back, but they're good going forward. He played left wing in game week 10. Played very good. As we said, West Ham are f- have fantastic fixtures and Paqueta has taken penalties. And third on that list is Almiron. I know his minutes haven't been as nailed as we'd like, but he is averaging 60 to 70 minutes this season and has only been benched once in the last six times. Or last six games, sorry. And they play Bournemouth this week. So yeah. if he's gone under the radar, people don't like that rotation in Newcastle, he could be a great pickup for this week and for the future. Lastly, if you have space in your bench, Olise is a great pickup. He could be above the likes of Almiron and Paqueta if you rate him that highly, but you might have to wait a week or two. Again, international break could be great for someone like this that pick up this week and hold him for game week 13-14. Might be picked up, but if not, fantastic option. Next up, we have some punts as well for the coming week. So number one is Max Sauce. So United are playing Luton this week. We would love to recommend Garnacho in this situation, but Max Sauce does seem to be that bit more nailed than uh, than Garnacho. Yeah, he was getting forward an awful lot versus Fulham. He was kind of given the license to go forward, involved in the goal that was disallowed. So um, yeah, he has some good attacking threat. Yeah. I'd- it's like Maguire, McSauce, they may have like a bad name. Yeah. They're not the golden era United yeah. players, but they're in form at the moment. Yeah. So you can't overlook players that are in form at the moment, especially with United team when there's so many players who... Yeah, are chopping and changing and aren't in form. Yeah, so the, and especially with a good fixture against Luton. So McSauce is, a, is an option there for a punt this week. Number two, then we could go with the likes of Joe Linton or Longstaff. So they are playing Bournemouth this week. The reason we have these is Bruno Gamares is suspended for this week because he's got received five uh, yellow cards. Yeah, Joe Linton does seem that bit more attacking, but it all, I suppose, depends on who plays midweek as well. I know Bruno Gamares will probably yeah. play midweek, but um, yeah, it is a toss-up between Joe Linton and Longstaff. Either the, or. Either if, you're, or. If, you're, if you're happy to attack that Bournemouth fixture, if you put down Joe Linton first, um, you'd be happy to get Longstaff after that. Yeah, and it depends. Look... Jolinton might not be available on your waiver or Longstaff might be yeah, yeah. available so that's why we're giving you the option of the, the two players there number three then is Havertz so this would be a, a one week punt they're playing Burnley this week Havertz is on four yellow cards as well he could have got a red card the last yeah. day as well so he has been liable to uh, yeah to get yellow cards so that would be more of a, a one week punt is Havertz a bit deeper has played 90 minutes in the last two game weeks so um, if there's any way into an Arsenal team that with someone that is possibly slightly attacking uh, it's a good option in our larger leagues there is some possible pickups for short term and long term 
Elanga is our number one pick from our midterm holds in larger leagues. Played very high for Forrest. He was uh, that other player on the wing, far side of Morgan Gibbs-White, in that 4-3-3. And looked like their most attacking player on the break. As we said, Awoni is back. Callum Hudson-Odoi is out, so it seems like he's going to nail down that position. He could be a good addition to your team over the next couple of weeks. If you're in a larger league, Andres Pereira is back in the Fulham team consistently. Played well against United. He's on set pieces, on corners, has some nice fixtures over the next five, which include Wolves, Forest, and Burnley at home, all one after the other. I think that's 14, 15, 16. So it could be another good way to get some points that might be on the waiver because he's gone under the radar. Six key passes against United, and we know what he's done in the past, so it could be a great option. Our third person on the list is Graven Birch for Liverpool. Played very advanced for Liverpool. I know it was against Luton, but racked up some good numbers. Carried the ball forward. Nearly got an assist. Could have gotten an assist. Should have gotten an assist for yep. Jota. And had one good um, shot on target. As well as two key passes. One of them for Jota. So, um, again, not the most exciting pick. But if you're looking to upgrade your midfield in a large league, Liverpool player that's relatively attacking could be a nice upgrade. Yep. On another day, if you got the assist... He will be valued higher from the majority of FPL players Very but because true. it didn't go ahead. He is it didn't go through or Jota didn't score the goal. He is undervalued. So yeah, could be a great pickup in those uh, twelve plus um, person leagues. Lastly, we said we were going to rank some strikers. So a couple of questions about Edward and a couple of other strikers. We're obviously going to rank them outside the big ones like Haaland, Alvarez, Watkins, Wilson, players that you're going to have to give big players to trade for. A lot of these players might be similar value, maybe interchangeable. You might get one-to-one trades, but we're going to look at some targets, some kind of mid-range strikers, and then some players to avoid. So in our target section, we have three, four players, five players. Hoyland for United. Again, underperforming big time regarding his stats, but I think it's inevitable, especially with Luton coming up. They have Everton who, you know, um, are okay at the back, but can see some chances. Newcastle, Chelsea and Bournemouth. I think it's inevitable that he starts returning. He is guaranteed starter for United. And when all the players come back, and maybe United hit a bit of form, he could be um, increasing yeah. value. I think he's undervalued right now just because of his lack of returns, I suppose. Yeah, well, for, as a United fan, you're hoping that their purple patch is coming soon. Jeez, I <laughs> hope to God or as we're dushed off. <laughs> Another player that you could target for a striker is Awoni. Forrest looked much improved in that 4-3-3 with Alanga and Morgan Gibbs-White uh, providing for Awoni. So I think because he's been out injured, he might be slightly undervalued. They have some good fixtures coming up, so Awoni could be a fantastic option going forward. Could be an example of a player that you want to trade Edward for. Edward. 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 <laughs> Eddie. Um, Elise and uh, Eze are coming back. Now, Palace haven't been that good in, in attack. You'd like to think Eze and Olise will improve that, but if you don't think they will, Awoni could be a great trade for him. Other players that you might want to look at going forward would be Wissa. I know they have Liverpool and Arsenal in the next two, but then they have Luton at home, Brighton and Sheffield away. And although they have Brighton in there, Brighton have been poor at the back. So three fixtures in a row that you can target for Wissa. Might be a good time to trade because he has them. Um, hard fixtures if you have a striker that maybe you want to play ahead of him in a smaller league so be it if you're looking down the pecking order Maupay could be a good option now as I said last week Maupay could get rotated in a couple of them games because of the way Brentford set up but if you're looking for a playing striker and you want to attack them fixtures and you're not afraid of getting benched he could be another good option our midterm kind of rankings for the forwards are couple of options that you could look at are Ferguson always positive and negatives with a lot of these players Ferguson has some great fi- fixtures he is a great finisher we know that but the problem is his minutes and the rotation in Brighton yeah. I, we, you know Brighton have not been good to us this year in terms of rotation they do play Sheffield and Forest in the next two so if you even if you got 60-70 minutes on average for both of them you'd like to have them the next person is Archer banged at the weekend great goal nailed for Sheffield plays Brighton Bournemouth and Burnley in the next three three great fixtures the problem is Sheffield are bottom for XG this year 
Now you would like to think that it will improve over the next three fixtures because they're easy fixtures and we, you know, we always see that trend where they've poor XG against uh, tougher teams and, and better XG against, you know, weaker teams, it's standard. So you'd like to think that that will apply for Sheffield in the next three. Especially with their win the last day, it might give them that bit of confidence to, uh, to improve over the next few few weeks. That's, exactly. that's probably what they, they needed, just mm -hmm. that bit of confidence to, to And, and they would be looking to them three fixtures mainly Bournemouth and Burnley more so to get points if they want to stay up at all so they will be attacking them full hog couple of players that we want to avoid Antonio for West Ham kudos is back on the team as we said again I would find I find it ridiculous if Moyes um, continues to play Antonio and, and let's say uh, sacrifices the likes of Paqueta or kudos any of those players for him we know he's also kind of a, the lack of a finishing touch. He had some good runs yep. uh, throughout the last couple of years, but overall, as a striker, you know he he's lucky to get 10, 10 goals yep. uh, in, in a season. So, I would avoid uh, trading for Antonio or try to get him out. Cunha, although he was probably on the waiver a couple of weeks ago and might be picked up, he is playing deeper for Wolves. Neto's injury will also affect Wolves as a whole, and we've seen that last week. And yeah, we said Kalasnic would start up top. He started ahead of uh, Cunha, or further up the pitch yeah. uh, than Cunha. So I'd probably avoid Cunha, maybe try and get a trade over the line, as we said. And Wolves are probably not the same team without Neto until he comes back. And we see kind of a, a nice trend of attacking returns for Wolves. I'd probably try and get rid of Cunha because they have a couple of nice fixtures. So maybe it's a, it's a nice time to get rid. The last person we're going to talk about in today's podcast is Morris. You know, I think it was game week four or five. He was the most sought after player. Yeah, they did a double game week, I think, and everyone was everyone jumping on Morris. Him. Everyone wanted to trade for Morris. But yeah, they're third from bottom on expected goals. You're really relying on Morris to, to win a penalty. Um, and he was whipped at around 70 minutes in the last two games. As well as that, Luton has some very tough fixtures. They're playing United, they have Palace. Brentford, Arsenal, and then they've City as well. So, I would be yeah looking to avoid accepting a trade for for Morris. And if one did come my way, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'd be jumping at it. Boom! So we have given you <laughs> a long, long list of players and recommendations um, in this week's podcast. As always, we base it on three main things: the eye test, stats, and the fixtures. So. Hopefully we have given you some good options that you can use to win your game week over the next week and you move up the leagues. As always, if any of these work out, please let us know. Give us a shout on Instagram for any questions. Follow us on Twitter for updates regarding the podcast. And yeah, draft you out. Boom! <laughs>